1: terez on the microphone music politics are just chatting it up brunch in the basement see that's what's up you never know who might run through legendary artists or someone brand new you miss a lot when you miss one day at least that's what i heard somebody say but it doesn't really matter what whoever says it's always a good show with javon and
2: rest.
1: yeah brunch in the basement with Javon and Duras, yeah. See who we got today or what we doing today or whatever it is, it's going to be good. Woo! I, I read about her and, and um. this is what I found out. Dr. Cheryl L. Thomas is board certified. Everybody is frozen right now. that's okay. She's board certified in internal medicine. She attended SUNY Downstate Medical School and completed her residency training
2: Ah. um,
1: at Montefiore Medical Center. You know, I'm from the Bronx, so that meant something to me. Um, She has a degree of master's in business administration, so that tells me a whole other thing, or you know, that she's diverse. She is affiliated with some of the best hospitals in Central Jersey, including Robert Wood Johnson University Hospital, St. Peter's University Hospital, and the University Medical Center of Princeton of Plainsboro. She strives to provide the highest standard of compassionate, quality care to her patients. We're still
3: all frozen
1: on my screen. Are you are you frozen, Rez?
3: No Oh, okay, good On the comments, yes It's not moving uh.
1: Okay, okay And um, with years of experience practicing medicine She is renowned for her attention to detail and skill in prevention, diagnosis And treatment of a wide variety of conditions and disorders It is her goal to promote a healthy lifestyle and empower patients where possible, actively impact their health by mindful choices and practices. And um, I can say for certain that this is true of her. And I don't take us a minute to get you, Dr. Thomas. She can still hear me.
2: Okay.
1: Is Doctor okay. the Doctor Thomas oh we're catching up now. J'va? Yes, can you see me? Can you hear me?
4: Okay. You take it day by
3: day. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Day by day is the best we can all do. Um, You know, and when Javon was reading some of your bio, um, that you did some work at Downstate Hospital. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. That's where I graduated. Ah, yeah. I'm very familiar with Downstate Hospital Um, uh, when I was uh, working, I can't say where, but Mm-hmm. we referred a lot of people over um, to Downstate Hospital in Brooklyn, and mm-hmm. teaching hospital. So, yeah. Yeah,
4: there in Kings County.
3: Yeah, yep, definitely. definitely. And with,
1: with all of that, I'm proud <laughs> to present to you my PCP, Dr. Cheryl Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Rob. Thank you. What I would do without you therese you see you
4: see how that how that works see
1: oh thank you for joining us
4: sure, my pleasure um what is the format that you like to do so
1: i I guess it if it's okay with you, I'd like to just jump right in and um dis- discuss what you know about the virus and um mm-hmm. how the virus is impacting our community and um, anything that you think is important for us and our, um, our audience to know. Mm -hmm. And then we can see if people might have questions
4: or comments. And I'll start, um, first of all, by thanking you for having me and giving me um, access to this forum. I'd also like to take this time as a healthcare provider to thank other first line workers, including postal workers, store clerks, teachers, police officers, fire people, everybody else that's holding it up to try to get us through this time, in addition to the scientists that are working tirelessly to try to find a vaccine and medication. Mm-hmm. Um just to give you a brief history about COVID and, and some of this I'm gonna breeze through because I'm I'm gonna assume that you guys know a lot of this, but It was, COVID-19 is the name of the disease that's caused by the coronavirus, and the coronavirus is SARS-CoV-2. So when you see that, um, it's not the same as the SARS virus as we saw before, but it is genetically linked. Um, And the disease that is caused is called COVID-19, and it's derived from coronavirus disease from 2019, which is when it was first um, identified. Uh, was first seen in Wuhan, China, first notified – China first notified the WHO the end of December. Um, the reason I'm making that distinction is because we don't know when the disease occurred. We only know when China notified the WHO.
2: Mm.
4: Okay, and that's important, I think, in terms of its transmission and, and why it was able to get as far as it did. Um Not to to spend a lot of time on China, but I just think it's important to know that we knew about it December 31st when they notified the WHO, but nobody knows when it really started.
2: Mm.
4: There was a young doctor, um, his first name was Dr. Lee, who did notify the uh, government of seeing a strange pneumonia evident in a Wuhan fish market. It's a wholesale fish market that also had live animals. Uh, COVID virus is a novel virus. In the past, it was really seen in bats, not in human beings. So the question again is also how did it get to human beings? The only thing we know is that it was first the disease was first seen at that market in China. Uh, The first case in the United States was in January and that was in Washington State and that happened to be a person who had recently traveled to Wuhan. Um, The virus is transmitted by aerosol particles. For instance, if somebody sneezes, coughs, saliva, that's how the virus is transmitted. Um, one thing that your viewers may not be aware is the virus can live outside of the human host, meaning that if a person coughs, the virus can be alive for two to three hours. And on some surfaces, it can last as long as four days. Uh. <laughs> I don't, that's not to scare people, it's to let them know that it can be there, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's infectious. My point with saying that is make sure you're washing, wiping down surfaces, alcohol-based or um, diluted bleach. Wash your hands, as, as you see that often, it's very important to wash your hands, wipe down surfaces, that include store knobs, kitchen counters, in the bathroom, the faucets, etc. Uh, as you know from the news, they often advocate the six Foot distance. And the reason for that is the particles don't tend to travel beyond six feet. That's the logic behind that. Um, and if you don't know what six feet is, a useful gauge is two arms lifts from someone. You had mentioned, um, that's a brief history of COVID. When they say it's a novel virus, what that means is uh, human beings did not have immunity to it. And that's across the board globally. That's because um, we had not encountered it as an infectious agent within a human population. So as a novel virus, everybody started on an even playing field, meaning nobody has seen it. So I'm mentioning that because I'm going to get back to that once we get to the disparities in who's getting it and who's dying from it. Um, I want to start by doing a little bit of the COVID stats. you um, somebody say something? I'm sorry. No, no. Okay. Um, the vast majority of people who get COVID don't die from it. I want to start with that. Globally, six percent of the people that contracted die from it. In New York City, it's seven percent. And um the state of New Jersey, the statistic is about four percent. Those are people who contracted um that die from it. Uh, The death rates increase depending on your age. If you're over 60, if you have a history of asthma, diabetes, hypertension, heart disease, COPD, which is emphysema or bronchitis. Uh, If you have cancer or are getting chemotherapy, i.e. altered immune system, or if you have chronic kidney disease, for instance, people on dialysis. Those people have increased death risk. Now, I would like to drill down a little bit more on the numbers of people who are contracting it as well as people who are dying from it. Again, remember at the beginning, everybody level playing field, nobody was immune. So in New York City, african Americans comprise 22% of the population, yet they represent 28% of the deaths. Um, Latinos comprise 29% of the population, yet they represent 34% of the deaths. Um, and Queens, they have the greatest number in New York City. However, the greatest number of deaths in New York City is in the Bronx. Um, to just view some other states, Illinois, uh, African Americans comprise 14% of the population, yet they represent 28% of the disease and 43% of the deaths. That's Illinois, and Louisiana. Uh, blacks represent 33% of the population, yet comprise 70% of the deaths. Uh, in Arizona, this is not just um, limited to African Americans and Latinos in terms of the death rates and incidents. In uh, Arizona, Native Americans comprise less than 6% of the population, yet they have 16% of the disease. So that tells you, again, the disparities regarding the population, the disease incidence, as well as the deaths from the disease. In contrast, which I find really interesting, and hopefully with your views we can discuss it, Oregon and Minnesota, the incidence of disease is proportional to the population in terms of African Americans. Hmm. So why is it that in heavily populated areas, again, a novel virus, everybody's starting on a level playing field in terms of immune system, that you have an increased risk of incidents and deaths in heavily populated areas with Latinos, African Americans. Um, it's not the same in terms of heavily populated, but they're isolated in terms of Native Americans in Arizona. That's the question. Uh, now... One reason, and it's a, to me it's a simplistic reason, though it's true, it's, you could say true to it, but also simplistic, is that the increased deaths stem from the fact that they have increased risk factors. There's greater diabetes, hypertension, asthma, and COPD in minority communities, um, which then begs the question, why is that case, And what can be done about that? But to me that's a very simplistic answer to this. I think we need to look deeper. For instance, in New York City, um, think about the type of work people do and the way that they have to get to the work, the transit system, Mm
2: -hmm.
4: buses. People are exposed. People of color, they can't work from home. A lot of them have to go to work. There's no such thing as working from home on the computer. A lot of them are essential workers, uh, transit workers, grocery store clerks, maintenance people. In the Bronx, the majority of the maintenance people are Latino. And those are people who may still be going to work and still being exposed. Healthcare aides, childcare workers. Again, people who can't work from home. They're out in the community taking public transportation and being exposed. Also in the community, it's just more likely to be existing health concerns, which we detailed earlier with the diabetes, the asthma, the COPD. People um, are less likely to be insured which is very relevant when you consider, if you even look at the Obama health care plan, how our current government refused to extension for enrollment and has been doing different things to destroy the system. Um, People uh, people without insurance are less likely to go to the doctor, and they're also less likely to have the PCP, so these wind up in the emergency room. And guess what's in the emergency room? COVID-19. So that's again, you have the exposure. There may be a racial bias that prevents proper treatment and testing. And conversely, in our communities, there's a lack of trust where people may not seek testing at the rates they should for the They ride it out at home without really being tested and without being properly quarantined or the social distance from their loved ones. At city hospitals versus private hospitals, the supplies, the access. People um, of low income, they tend to go primarily to city hospitals. Look, historically, redlining, which has existed since the 1930s, and what does that do? Uh, People of color in segregated neighborhoods, unstable housing, grocery stores that don't have healthy choices, or affordable foods that are choices. The other thing which I learned recently, which to me, it was very striking, is a term called weathering. Are you guys familiar with that?
1: Weathering? No.
4: Yeah, and what it referred to is accelerated aging due to stressors, exposure to toxins, lack of sleep, and racial discrimination. It's like premature aging of a population. Mm -hmm. And again, when you look at the risk for COVID, one of the risks is advanced age. Now, it can be chronological age, but it could also be the weathering due to the things that I just mentioned. Those are things that I think impact why we're seeing it more, particularly in the Northeast. Um, But I don't want to just leave it at why. What can we do about it as a community? One, which uh, most of us know about, is the social distancing. When you see people, if you know them and they're not doing it, just gently remind them. Um, I don't think it's a matter of people not. Okay, some individuals may not take it seriously, but I think as a group collectively, most of us take this very seriously. Mm -hmm. So there may be some individuals that need reminding about the social distancing as well as the mask. If you live in a place where you have to take an elevator, because not everybody lives in a walk-up, try to minimize your time in an elevator. Strategically plan your trips up and down. Because as you know, the elevator is a very small area. You're not going to get six feet from somebody, particularly if it's crowded. And if you don't like the color, just put something over it that matches your top. But it protects you and it protects others. And just one other sidebar with the mask. When you remove a mask, put it on. Don't touch the front of the mask. Because what you're doing, if you have been exposed, you just touched it and it you remove the mask, you touch the front, you touch other parts of your face, so you're, you're potentially exposing yourself. So just be mindful, putting on, taking off a mask, do not touch the front, mm-hmm. touch the sides, okay? Um, also avoid touching your face or anyone else's faces before washing your hands. Don't share drinks or smokes. If you're a smoker or a drinker, this might be a good time for you to consider stopping. Um, But if that's something that is not your interest, then be selfish and don't share it. Because that is how it spread through the saliva. Uh, Also, taking care of management, your disease management. If you're diabetic, hypertensive, this is not the time to have the snap or the bag of chips. This is the time for you to really get your health in order. You know what you should be doing and this isn't the time to play around because as I mentioned, diabetes, hypertension, heart disease, all those things increase your risk. So this is your opportunity to try to take control to mitigate your own risk or your family's risk. Um, On a broader scope, do the census. The census is uh, how the government allocates resources. Resources important. And again, using COVID as an example, firehouses and schools. So if you get the census and you haven't done it, do that. I want to encourage people to vote, to vote for people who share their interests. Don't sit out this election. If you want health insurance, if you think health insurance is important for everybody, then vote. Um, if you think not having insurance companies throw you off their rolls because of pre-existing conditions, then vote. And FYI, COVID-19 would now be considered a pre-existing condition. Hmm. Hmm. Um, so I urge you, and also you want to vote for people who care, not only care about healthcare disparities, but also have an interest and a um, the leadership capabilities to addressing the issues because a lot of the things I brought out as speculation, but they haven't been studied. We need somebody that's interested in studying, not just for um, academic purposes, but toward doing something about what they find to try to improve the healthcare disparities. Because this isn't the first time this has happened. With H1N1, minority communities were affected disproportionately. Mm-hmm. So our, our job is to see that this doesn't happen again. And the final thing I was gonna say that we can do Of course, the list can be longer. But for me, it's remember your community. Remember your abuela. Remember Nona. Remember Bubby. Remember Big Mama or Pop Pop. Knock on the door. Call them. See how they're doing. At this point, we should all be our brother's keepers. Find out if somebody needs something that you can provide, and if so, do so. That doesn't mean they have to open the door. You can leave it at their door. But just check on your community. Mm -hmm. And finally, just love each other, and as well as yourself, and take care, and be safe.
3: Thank you, thank you that so was, much.
4: For that. that was a lot.
3: Yeah. Yeah, that that was that was you. I have some questions that I I want to um, kind of feel to you. If that's okay. Sure. How how is this one from from um how is this vaccine for COVID going to be similar to that of HIV and AIDS? or the information? How
4: the vaccine, did, if that was the question?
3: Yes. How so the, the, va- the vaccine, eventually when they, dis, when they do it, how is it going to be similar to that, meaning a viral suppressant, or, or what is it going to be like?
4: Well, it hasn't been, de- the vaccine hasn't been developed yet, so I don't think that's a question that can be answered, but I would imagine that their goal is to be able to suppress the virus. So, because right now, some people will have the virus and they develop immunity. You might have heard studies about convalescent plasma. That's mm-hmm. plasma or a blood product from people who have had the virus, gotten better, donated their plasma, which has been used in a study purpose for people who are currently critically ill. What we don't know about people who have the antibodies is a) how long it will last, and b) whether or not it confers immunity short-term or long-term. Those are questions that have not been answered.
2: Okay.
3: What advice can you give a senior that um, they have been diagnosed and treated for COVID? What can be some of the things that uh, they can do to stay well or get better?
4: Okay, I'm assuming that they've had it and that they're symptom-free, because of whether or or whether they're better. We're treated
3: and released, maybe home now recovering
4: Okay, I would still tell them to be careful for the reason I stated before. We don't know if you can get it again, right?
3: Uh-huh. So and, and
4: they they still want to be careful. My advice is universal universal precautions, which means they still maintain the six feet, they still wear the mask, they still are very compulsive about frequent hand washing. Okay. Yeah, uh, I just wanna I just wanna add you know, that
1: I I do have a friend who says that she was she she tested positive. She and her spouse, her mother in law lives in the home. The mother in law then got it. She got better, but then she got it again. So, I, and that's the one person I know of who says that she got sick, she got better, she was ready to go back to work or whatever for like a week or two, and then she got sick again. So, I don't, I don't know, but. Sounds like she. Yeah, my
4: question for her because that could be to Either she got it again, or she never really fully recovered from right. the other one. So the, the answer to that would be, would she was she tested, and was she because to test to see if somebody's done, it's two tests within 24 hours of each other to see if it's really eradicated. But even the testing is tricky. But I'm I'm not going to go into that. Mm-hmm. But that could have been either scenario, what you just described. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And yeah, more
3: People that are HIV positive are are just one population of people that that um they, that are compromised that can be affected because you named a litany of other um under, unfortunate um illnesses underlying illnesses that could be connected to it as well that could yeah. show- Recovery. I
4: would be careful, but the, the thing with HIV, it's it's the spectrum, because some people have had HIV for 10 years, been on medication, and they have no viral loads and their T-cell counts are normal. Correct. So I, I go back to, again, a universal precautions, because we don't know in that population whether they're at increased risk. Possibly. Where versus somebody who has HIV, is not treated, and still has viral load and low T-cell counts, they absolutely would be at increased risk.
3: Right, right. Um like uh, like other viruses, like the chicken pox, shingles, they lay dormant in the spine. Um, they never actually go away. Do you think, or is it still too early to tell whether or not this will be a because vi- most viruses do stay in the, the central nervous system. Is it something that they will always test positive for, like tuberculosis, or is it something that you can test positive, negative, and then- I don't
4: think we know. And that goes back, again, whether it will lay dormant. Because, again, if you think about it, this virus came to human beings sometime in 2019. So we don't really have the data, the long, long data, to really state whether or not it's something that would lay dormant.
2: Okay. Okay. It's,
4: it's It really is an evolving picture. Every day, for instance, I even looked at statistics yesterday, and then I looked at statistics today, and they're changed. Oh, wow. Um, wow. Yeah, and Dr. Um, – excuse me – They've been mentioning on television, you know, the drugs that they're going to be studying for it. I think um, the Oval Office occupant had mentioned the hydrochloroquine and chloroquine as possible treatments, But those things have not been proven. Mm -hmm. And as a matter of fact, there was a small study today from China that says it doesn't look like they're going to be effective. So Mm -hmm. it's evolving science, but the key is data-driven science, not just speculation. That's what I would tell your viewers to hang their hat on, Mm -hmm. not people's hunches, but you really want data-driven information. Right. I I have a concern that um, when they start doing clinical
3: trials, what population they tend to reach out to, it appears, I'm trying to use my words carefully, um, but I'm just going to have to say it just to put it out there. It appears that, you know, where they want to start doing some testing and where they want to start uh, using the vaccine um, are always in communities of color. And we haven't been very trustworthy, I mean, you know, trustful of the medicine, medical field, based way back to Sweden and probably before that, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, Why is that the case, in your opinion? Like, is there another way to do it?
4: To do to find out whether medications are efficacious or not, or vaccines?
2: Right. To my
4: knowledge, no. You need clinical trials.
2: Right.
4: Um, now the areas that they would do the trials, in, I would hope, would be diverse areas, but would tend to think it's going to be the areas where the disease is most prevalent. Right. In right. addition to because you you want with those vaccines, you not only just contrary, and I definitely understand what you're saying about the distrust and, right. without even elaborating on it. I think most people of color would understand that. But you want, with most of these studies, a varied population because something might work on one population that may not work on another. And you want to know that.
3: Right,
4: right. And it goes with gender, too, male versus female. And I don't know if I mentioned this, but in China and Italy, as far as... Um, Gender differences, males were more affected and had a higher death rate than females.
2: Mm -hmm. Um,
4: They haven't um, comprised that data here in the States, but that's worth mentioning for the men that you see on the street that are not taking the social distances seriously. They might want to know that. right.
2: right.
4: So Lois
1: Thompson has a question, which is um, whether or not the virus remains um, alive, I guess, for four days on all surfaces.
4: No, it's not all surfaces. The four days was seen on plastics. Cardboard was 24 hours. Aerosolized was three to four hours. But again, just because it's there doesn't mean that it's infectious, but just be aware to clean the surfaces. mm
1: mm-hmm. And our children, uh, there there was, at one point, there were people, I think I, I even was hopeful and believed at one point, very early on, that Black people didn't get it, and, and that died out really quickly. But then... People, I heard that. Where
4: yeah, did you get that from? I, I was curious about that.
1: How I, did you get I, that? I don't recall. I probably heard it somewhere in passing. I was still going to work at the time um, in the office, and mm-hmm. I heard it somewhere. And you know, then quickly I was like, okay, nah, that's not the truth. Um, so, so yeah, so people hear these things and then, you know, some people run with it. The other thing is that babies and young people don't get it, but, um, but you know, that's not true, right? Not true. It's not true, but that's something that people need to hear from a
5: doctor. uh, Yeah, no,
4: it's not true. Um, Children get it, and children tend to get milder. However, um, some stats that I just looked at, um, a large percentage, I'd have to find a percentage, but a large percentage of people are currently hospitalized for it, meaning they're sick enough to be admitted, are between the ages of 20, 20 and 54. Hmm. So that means not only are these people getting it at, younger, at those young ages, but they're also being hospitalized, and they're also ending up in the ICU intubated. Mm -hmm. That's that's the very sick. So young people can get it. And I think um, last week I heard of a baby that passed from it, but I don't know, again, whether the baby had any underlying issues that made it more susceptible. Mm
2: -hmm.
4: So, again, universal precautions. Everybody needs to be careful. What do you think about that tiger
3: that allegedly was uh, tested positive? How do you think the tiger got?
4: Well, it's the it's COVID viruses was called a zoonosis. And that means that it's a type of virus that can be passed from human to animal. And wow. that goes back to, again, that it was initially found in bats. So somehow in China, it went from a bat to a human. Mm-hmm. And again, it was at that market. So I don't know if it has anything to do with you know, maybe some contamination at the food there. I don't know. I don't know that anybody knows that, but it was initially from a bat to a human. So
3: does that mean if you've been diagnosed with COVID-19 and you are home isolating or quarantining and you have pets, could they be?
4: Yeah, you don't, you want if at all possible. You don't want to, if some people are into cats licking their face and stuff, you don't want that. You also if somebody else can handle the pet, that but if not, you handle it but try to maintain a social distance with the pet as well. Now I don't know of any pets dying from it, but I do know that pets can get it.
3: Wow. Wow. That's that's see, that's something they haven't spoken about up until the tiger uh was diagnosed.
4: Um, yeah, and that was in the Bronx.
3: Yeah.
4: Yeah. Yeah, the Bronx
1: Zoo, and they they're, they're mm-hmm. testing the animals in the zoo, but not so much the people. So I I have a I I want to say that people who are holding on at the podcast, people who have called in, if you want to speak, press one on your phone. The number to call in, by the way, and you are listening to WJBR Internet Radio in the basement with Javon and Therese and tonight with Doctor. Sh- Cheryl Thomas, I um, believe, and I'm going to take a chance here, um, the last four digits of your number are 1844. I believe you did press one at one point and then pressed it again. Yeah,
5: What's correct. your name and
1: where you calling from?
5: Uh, Roger Paris from Harlem.
1: How you doing, Mr. Paris?
5: Fine. How are you?
1: I'm great. Do you have a question, sir?
5: I, I do. How are you doing, Cheryl?
1: Um, Hey, Raj.
5: Okay. Uh, I think it'd be important for people to know how many times can the average person, not people who work in the health field, but the average person wear the mask and gloves?
4: Well, the real answer to that is it's supposed to be a one time use. But given the environment and the fact that we don't have um, a lot of supply, then you use it till it falls apart. If you have two, you put one on, and then you put a second one over it. This is if you have one so that you can at least protect the bottom one. But ideally, most of the PPE, personal protective equipment, in normal times, is one-time use and discard. Mm-hmm.
5: Mm-hmm. Okay, so, okay, let's just get this clear. So you're suggesting that people wear two masks if they have it? If
4: you have. It's just, so you have your. If you have more than one mask, you put one underneath and then wear a second to protect it, or use a scarf, a bandana, something mm-hmm. just to protect the one mask that you have to increase its durability um, and, and decrease the you know the fact that it'll fall apart or if it's contaminated.
2: Okay. So, so if you
4: have the bandana over it. The bandana you can wash, but you still have your mask as the protection underneath it.
5: Okay. So Unless how how mask. how often. Can you use those masks? The, not the bandana, but the mask. How often do you suggest that people use those masks? I mean, can they use it four, five, six, seven times?
4: Um, you use it as long as you have it and it doesn't fall apart. But if you ask me medically and in a perfect you. scenario, I would tell you they're one-time use. But because mm-hmm. the masks are limited, just use it until it falls apart. I got you. Thank you. Okay, have a good night. And thank you so you're much too. for calling.
1: And if you want to see Dr. Cheryl Thomas, you can go to YouTube, and we have a live stream at WJBR Internet Radio, where um, you can see the three of us. But if you, you're comfortable hanging out on the phone, that's cool, too. Um, there's a, a really specific question by Janice Paez. She says, Dr. Cheryl, can you share what the virus looks like as it works through the body? I have an aunt that is on day 10, and she still feels very tired, gets winded, easy, and can't take deep breaths.
4: How old is your aunt? Uh, I'm sorry. I'm doing clinical. Yeah. It depends on, on, on the individual, and it depends on their underlying health conditions, but um, from what I've read, you can have symptoms for three to four weeks with COVID. Mm. What you want to do, hopefully with your aunt, is that you see gradually she's improving. Um, but the other thing I will tell you is that she's having fever and her shortness of breath is getting worse, then she wants to see a healthcare professional. Because if it's getting worse, the one thing about COVID is it can change very quickly. Meaning that a person can be um, have a sharp turn. On a, on a downward course, so you want to keep an eye. So, if it's shortness of breath worsens, don't wait too long. That's that's my point. For for people
3: using PPE at home and they have limited resources, um, what are I mean? I heard you just say that they could get a bandana because you could actually wash those. You can wash those by hand, and you know, and reuse them. Um, putting uh, Purell on gloves. A helpful how how would they be able to preserve gloves or should they wear gloves and just wipe down the surfaces as you suggested?
4: Well I would wear gloves particularly for instance I'll use the elevator example again you're gonna push a button in an elevator unless you have some sandy wipes and you're gonna wipe down that you want to wear your gloves mm-hmm. in the supermarkets with the carts you want to wear your gloves. Some mm-hmm. supermarkets have the sandy wipes others don't mm-hmm. so you want to protect yourself that way. Um does that answer your question? I'm sorry. The um,
3: can, is is an effective is it effective rather to put um, Purell on gloves?
4: Yeah, I don't know that that's necessary. I would be more concerned with make everything's in short supply. So if I had to pick, I want to put the Purell on my hands.
1: Gotcha. Okay, let's take another call. Four 49- nine. One, five are the last four digits of your number and I need a new set of glasses. 4915. What's your name and what? Oh, gee, what did I do? 4915 are the last four digits of your number. What's your name and where are you
0: calling from? Hi, my name is Fran. I'm calling from East Brunswick, New Jersey. Um, Dr. Cheryl, I had a couple of questions. So <clears throat> I have um, a family member who didn't have symptoms too seriously, um, but tested positive after 17 days, and now she will not be tested until I think day 37 or 40, something like that. So I just wanted to know when do you know, or is there any data out there on whether people who have had it still have, you know, slight symptoms, but are they still contagious?
4: Um, We don't know. If you look at the criteria, there's two ways in terms of releasing quarantine. One is the people who are tested and and the people who are tested should be without fever for seven days, as well as without shortness of breath in that seven-day period, and test negative twice in a 24-hour period. Those are people who are tested. People who are not tested, the criteria is that they have Seven days post the onset of their symptoms, they are symptom-free, and that includes fever, cough, shortness of breath, and in in three days – oh, seven days post the onset of their symptoms, and in three days having no symptoms, then they can release quarantine. As far as the person that you're saying, is she – was she tested again?
0: Yes, and it came back positive after – um, I guess it was 21 days, technically, from when she first had symptoms.
4: Okay. And what we don't know about that is a, the test that they're doing, specifically particularly nasal, is, our, is viral RNA, and it can still be detected. But what we don't know is if the level is low, where it's low where it can be detected, but is it too low where she's not infectious? And that we don't know which means she has enough viral load there to be test positive, but she may not have enough viral load to be infectious. And we don't know the answer to that at this time. Okay. Okay. Um, a couple of other things I did, um,
0: want to know, you know, some people I know have had, well, let me, let me start with the first thing. Someone, a friend of ours, um, in our neighborhood actually was saying that she had these symptoms from January and her doctor couldn't figure out what it was and just said it was a virus. Are those people who would, who would qualify to be tested to see, you know, for antibodies whenever those tests come out?
4: Absolutely. Definitely. As a matter of fact, when you're talking about open up the country, one of the key things that needs to be done is increased testing. So we know who's had it, who's recovered, where, where is the virus? Um, So, yeah, when antibodies become available, I would strongly urge that person to be tested.
0: Okay. And then um, I guess my last question is um, someone else who I know who had symptoms um, or, you know, not all the symptoms, but a few symptoms, low fever, you know, bad cough, yet their physician wouldn't give them a prescription to get tested. They gave them some antibiotics. They had symptoms for a long time, but they, they, like, wouldn't give them a test a prescription to get a test. that goes back
4: to one of the the points I was making in terms of the um, disparities in the disease, about the racial disparities. And, again, I don't know the the race of the person you're talking about, but assuming that, that some people aren't tested, and it's racial disparities regarding how doctors perceive them. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, Interesting. So that
4: might be an example of that. And that person should um, definitely, are they still symptomatic?
0: I'm not sure.
4: Because if they are, some urgent care centers Mm -hmm. don't require a doctor's prescription. That person might try urgent care centers that does testing, because some of them will have you fill out an online questionnaire, and then they'll bring you in for testing. Mm
0: -hmm. Okay. Okay. I'll pass
4: that information. Also, Rutgers um, has a new test out now, which that person may want to look into. It just came out. Actually, they just started using it today where it tests for saliva, and you get an answer, I think, within um, 24 hours. And you need so a prescription? For that or University, no? And I know they were testing people in Edison today. So that person may want to it, look into that.
0: Okay. So is that some is that like at at that testing center in Edison? There's like one large test. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think, exactly. Is that exactly. The one? I think
4: okay. they I think I saw they tested like two hundred over two hundred people today. Okay. And it's a it's a, right. a new test for it. Because the O1, now this is saliva. They hand you something, you give them a sample of saliva, you hand it back to them. Okay. It would and do you need a prescription for the that also? Or? The because if it's in your spray,
3: or, you know, like if they're saying sneezing, then saliva would have, in my yeah. head, I'm not a doctor, but, you know. No, the
4: test didn't exist. It's something that they developed. Mm. But I have a feeling that if it works going forward, we're going to see a lot more use of it because it's very easy, and if it's accurate and fast, that's what you want.
2: Yeah,
4: yeah. right. And yeah. what one last Thank question you, was just
0: around um, fruits and vegetables at the market. Um, can they be contaminated, or you know, like if the virus is on them, um, you know, how do you like I mean, deal with those?
4: Well, when you think about it, if somebody sneezes on it, that potential exists. I mean, everybody should be wearing a mask, but I would definitely, if you bring any fresh fruits or vegetables that are where that a lot of public could have contacted, I would definitely watch them. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. You thank you them. very
4: much.
1: Yeah. Those were great You're questions. Have good thank night. you so much for calling. Thank you.
3: That was great. You're she was great. Give the call in number one more time, Jay.
1: Yeah, so um, you are listening to WJBR Internet Radio In the Basement with Javon and Therese. And tonight, Dr. Cheryl Thomas. The number to call in is 347-996-5394. That's 347-996-5394. Someone, Lois, spoke about lung x-rays which can show the the proliferation of pneumonia not everyone who is positive develops pneumonia some people have been killed by blood clots as it affects the coagulation process and um, someone wanted to know how do you know whether or not you have pneumonia versus covid if you are having problems breathing and fever and so forth and so on?
4: Well, there's two ways of diagnosing that. One would be by a chest X-ray and the other would be by a CAT scan. What what would um, be the, the difference in
1: the X-ray?
4: Um, X-rays, just radiologically, the, the X-ray is um, not as – you don't have the same resolution on an X-ray as you do with a CAT scan. a CAT scan, you can see more. But often with COVID – Um, You can see findings on a chest X-ray, but if you have a strong suspicion and a chest X-ray is negative, then a CAT scan can sometimes show things that a chest X-ray doesn't. Um, That just made me think, too, with COVID, um, just to go through the most common symptoms. The most common symptoms with COVID is a fever. 99% of people with COVID have a fever. The next common is fatigue. 70% of people with COVID have fatigue. The next is a dry cough. However, people can have a productive cough as well. But 59% with COVID have um, a dry cough. Some people complain of decreased appetite, muscle aches, and shortness of breath. The other things I want to make people aware of is that some people present with diarrhea and pink eye. Mm. So um, if you don't have some of the classic symptoms, but you know something weirds going on, don't dismiss it because mm. it is possible. And that's not to make people scared. I, I'm, I'm hoping I'm not doing it. I just want to try to educate
1: people. I think I think that um, the people appreciate you coming on and helping. We have more people listening tonight than we normally do. And they, they all came out to listen to you, Doc. So
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, you're doing a good thing for the community. Thank you. A great you. thing. Because we need to be
3: educated from someone we can trust. And right. and more often now, um, getting a hold of a doctor who isn't tired or isn't on the front line is very very hard. You have to wait, you know, um, reasonably so, understandably so. It's just it's just very very hard. So um, thank you again for You're coming. You're
2: welcome. Has Has anyone done
3: a study um um the difference between the age related PCP pneumonia and this particular pneumonia? Or are they similar?
4: Well. No, they're two totally different. The pneumonia that you get with COVID is a viral pneumonia. With AIDS, when people get pneumonia, it was typically other organisms. It wasn't the virus itself that caused it, if if you understand the distinction.
3: Okay, okay. With
4: COVID, it's a viral pneumonia, and when people get really sick, it's it's like a really bad uh, um, inflammatory reaction to the virus. Okay. And that's why a lot of people end up on respirators. It's called... um, ARDS or a uh, uh, respiratory, I'm sorry. I'm just looking up that because I want to make sure I give you the correct term for this. But it's, it used to be adult respiratory distress syndrome. It's it. It's um and, uh, and a pneumonia that's characterized by a tremendous amount of inflammation.
3: Okay. And the PCP pneumonia um, that's AIDS related isn't you
4: that is No, it? that's not virus. He was actually. Um, the organism it wasn't HIV if you think of HIV was the virus that decreased the immune system that allowed the PCP organism to take hold if you know what I mean as opposed with COVID it's the virus itself Ah. that's causing the inflammation so you have one as a secondary effect PCP occurred as a secondary effect to HIV that that, um, diminished your immune system as opposed to COVID itself is causing the damage
3: Gotcha.
4: Um, the other thing that made me think of, too, is some people refer to COVID as similar to the flu, and it's not, not at all, not in mm-hmm. terms of its contagiousness or its virulence. Um, the flu in general kills about 1% of people infected. COVID has killed, as I was telling you, between 4 and 6%. And remember, COVID's only been here three months. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um- so it's not the flu. Yeah. And that again it's just to remind people to take it seriously and and do the proper precautions. So um Nina
1: wanted to just mention that eight an 18-year-old 18-day-old baby died in Hartford, Connecticut and they say that baby tested positive for the virus. Um that's sad and a shame. Yeah, very sad.
2: Yeah. Very
1: sad. Um what about, someone says, what about the use of PPE in the home when caring for a COVID-positive person and you have limited well, resources? Back? Well,
4: if you have the mask, use the mask. You still want to do the social distancing, and that includes with your, if, um, their utensils their plates. You want to try to keep that stuff separate, make sure you wash it. Um, they want to kind of stay isolated in a home if that's possible until they're not symptomatic and not able to infect other people within the household someone wants um, if you don't have a mask again use the bandana use what you have but again because it's cough aerosolized you want to protect here you don't want to touch your eyes etc because it can be spread through those type of mem- um, membranes right
1: and and I think a follow-up to that is someone wants to know about putting the mask in the microwave for 60 seconds would that help to kill mm-hmm.
3: I don't lives?
4: know I really don't know yeah
3: well some of the masks have metal on them like the clip the nose clip or something so you'll be that's true but right. I think
4: they my assumption is they're talking about the paper masks but okay. I do know there's a company that has a way of sterilizing them and that's something that's being started in hospitals but I don't know about the microwave putting it in a microwave I can't comment either way right um it might be-
1: you know, a good idea I've seen on social media where people are like an old um, cloth or or um, shirt or whatever and making it into a mask. Um, mm-hmm. And then you can wash it, you know, if you don't yeah. have masks. People are being very creative. Um, Lois, yeah. Lois says the urgent care where she was tested, the doctor said that there had yet to be a negative test. That gave her the impression that the test they were using would not be effective could this be the case that they were if everybody's testing then the test is wrong
4: yeah i can't say but i would think that in this climate uh, i would take right. a positive test seriously mm-hmm. i find in my practice and this is what i share with my patients it's covid i mean the covid testing is very helpful if it's positive but not so helpful if it's negative man that mm-hmm. some people out there have false negatives And I I have not seen false positives yet. Wow. Wow. Um, That's not to say they don't exist. I'm just telling you from my experience, I haven't seen it. Yeah.
1: Again, if you're listening uh, via phone, if you've called in and you'd like to ask the doctor a question on your own, you can just press one on your phone. And I will know then that you have a question for the doctor. There are still people lined up on the phone. However, none of them have, um, no more of them have have um, pressed one. So we'll continue to take the calls, um, I mean, the comments. And for Monique Johnson, that number, again, is 347-996. Five three nine four. Um, Someone wants to know if we should be using vitamin C.
4: Um, There were some reports in China that vitamin C is helpful. My say, I haven't seen that same um, literature here in the states. But my philosophy is it can't hurt. (laughs) True. But I haven't seen any any. If you ask me again, evidence-based, I haven't seen evidence-based here in the United States saying that vitamin C makes a difference. And vitamin D, I didn't see that. Before, Not but okay, no.
1: but vitamin D is, yeah.
4: Yeah, but I don't, I don't think vitamin C can hurt. So if you have it and it gives you comfort, take it. Is the goal to have everyone
1: tested for for COVID-19?
4: I think ultimately it would be important to test as many people as possible, starting with people who are symptomatic, as well as people who have been exposed to people who are symptomatic, and then maybe then scale to people who have not had symptoms but have had exposure. I think ideally you want to do that. Like some countries, they actually do tracking, meaning contact tracking. If somebody's positive, then they they go to everybody that that they can figure out that person has contacted, and then they test them. And if you think about branches of a tree and then that's how it scales out. I think that was the model of South Korea. We're not doing that here. And I think that's because of the limitation, a lot of reasons why it's it's not happening here. But I some of the other countries that's how they've done it and that's how they've been able to decrease the numbers. Hmm. It's a lot, right? Yeah, it is. It's a lot to digest. And it's it's um Like As as I was talking to Therese earlier, it's it's surreal and and just getting used to, you know, one thing that I've learned about this is just how interconnected so many things are that you never really thought about before.
3: Hmm. What are some of your observations there?
4: Um, For instance, even in the hospital, things that you never thought about before, a need for respirators. And then people on respirators need medication, and they're running short on the medication. Nurses need pumps to to give medications, you know, the IV pumps. And some hospitals are running out of IV pumps or they have a short. Those kind of things you just never really think about from a medical perspective.
2: Hmm.
3: Yeah, I haven't heard too many people talk about the IV pumps, but those are necessary.
4: Yeah, I saw a nurse on um, television, I think it was last week, mentioning that at her hospital. That they were really tight on IV pumps, and it's And even like I said, when people are on a respirator, they they need medications to sedate them. And I understand that there was a shortage of the meds at some hospitals. Okay, someone just
1: pressed one. We'll take a call. What's your name and where are you calling from? Last four digits: five eight zero four.
5: Hi, this is uh, Monique. Um, I wanted to first say thank you for. Uh, for um, allowing this type of form. There's a lot of questions I think that we have, a lot of us have. Um, but before I started my questioning to the doctor, Cheryl. Questioning? Um, She's we, not on trial. She's not on trial. Monique, Monique Johnson?
2: Is Go ahead. Monique. So
1: what's, yes, Monique. So what's your question, hon?
5: Okay. My question, Um, the doctor spoke about uh weathering and the pre-aging um aging. Can you
1: hear me? Yes, we can hear
5: you. Go ahead. So in regards to the word, she used the word I'd never heard before, weathering, in regards to premature aging in black people, over worrying. That was one of the things I would like for her to reiterate on.
4: Yeah, and it was something that was new to me also. When I was preparing for this talk, I was reading from a number of different sources, and one of the things that I read use that term weathering. And I was fascinated by it. And particularly when I read what the author meant by it. And I'll just reiterate it. Um, the term referred to accelerated aging due to stressors, exposure to toxins, lack of sleep, and racial discrimination. And it, it just makes sense. But I had never heard the term before either. But I, I thought it was important to mention it here.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: We could yeah. start a whole new forum just on that particular word. I think all of us are going to be looking into that. Um, I and another question regarding the tiger in the Bronx Zoo. Um, initially, they had said that it was, it could not go over to animals. So my question is, in your opinion, do you feel that the, the virus has mutated? And that's why it's, it's, uh, animals, they said felines in particular, um, can get it
4: necessarily again we're learning about this virus. So I don't think you could necessarily say it mutated. I could just say that our learning mutated.
5: And then um okay my last question I think is every on everybody's mind, especially mine. Um realistically understanding in uh what you already know and how contagious um the virus is what is a realistic timeline? I know a lot of people are saying next month, two weeks do you think, it, in your opinion, um, based on what you know, that it's realistic that um, the mass majority um, go back to business as usual in the next month?
4: I don't think we know, and I don't think that question can be answered until we have more testing done. So, and in that, your
5: opinion, I, I more testing done over what amount of time? Because I'm still seeing
4: way, um, 700 deaths. deaths and. do know where the other, virus is but I don't think that question can really
5: be answered. Okay, can, can you answer at what point of the do you think it's safe at 700 deaths a day? What, at what point do you think it's something where we shouldn't be as concerned, maybe only 100 deaths, only 50 deaths, or do you, in your opinion, do you think we need to go all the way down to zero? Um,
4: I don't think you necessarily need to go down to zero, but I think just even to use the governor's terms, the things you want to see is decreased hospitalizations, decreased ICU admissions, and decreased people um, testing positive. You want to see those things. Um, okay, and the other thing I would tell you, I would, you know, hopefully this this does, we do see a decline over the summer, but if you've been watching the news, um, they've been predicting that then you might see a dip, but then a resurgence. And then if you look at some of the other countries that have um, relaxed, some of the restrictions, they are seeing it. I think that the best hope for us is a vaccine. Thank you,
1: Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you so yeah. much. Thank you so much. We have one more caller, and um, then we have about 10 minutes to try to get through the rest of the um, comments. People have been um, writing a lot of comments. Uh, the last four digits of your number is 0650. What's your name and where are you calling from?
4: Hi, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Yes, my name is Tanya. Hi, Dr. Cheryl. My question is: (laughs) Is there any indication on how long a person can spread the disease once uh, they've been exposed to it? You're telling us the quarantine period that you're recommending currently is 14 days. The virus right. incubation period, the most common time people develop symptoms is at day five, post-exposure. But most people, they're going to develop symptoms, they occur at the 14th day mark, which is why they're recommending that. Okay, and we, there is no data to state whether it will last longer, where they can spread it as of yet. I can just tell you about the quarantine. Um, Probably the best answer to that if a person's been exposed and they have access to testing is to get that done. But if not, what's recommended now is, is the 14-day quarantine. But I think to definitively you so answer much. your question is if that person can be tested. Some states, believe it or not, are testing people who don't have symptoms. Our area right. That's doesn't what I'm have for. the okay. to, to capacity to do that, but there are some states that do. Right. Okay, yeah. great. Thank you so much for taking the time out to do this. It's very important for the
0: community.
1: Yes. You're welcome. And thank you. Thank you for calling in. I want to ask everybody to please subscribe to the YouTube page. If you're looking, if you're watching, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Hit the subscribe button. Um, if you listened or by phone on Blog Talk Radio, um follow us. If you are watching us live on our Facebook page in the basement with Javon and Therese, hit the button. I mean, support because our only, our only desire is to support and educate you and entertain Mm -hmm. you. That's what we do. It's all about you. It's all about you. And, um, Dr. Thomas, I can't tell you how many people have made comments such as thank you so much, thank you Dr. Thomas for taking taking this time to do this, and you know people are very very appreciative and and feel like they've learned a lot tonight. Um, someone, thank you
4: for having me and allowing me
1: to. Someone says I truly appreciate you taking out your out time out of your busy schedule to educate and warn us on exactly what's going on. This was very informative to me. Thank you also very much, but thank you especially um, Patricia Porter says very informative Dr. Thomas, thank you. Someone else wanted to chime in for those of us in New Jersey that Somerset is now doing testing somewhere, so that's good to know um, and they somebody says. Thank you for your this wonderful information. I don't know if the information is wonderful, but I think it's wonderful that she's sharing it. This is uh, it's not it's not like woohoo, the cure is
4: here. No, it's just not wonderful yeah. information.
1: But we're well, glad to have it.
4: Some of the things that I mentioned that we can do, people take to heart and remember: taking control of your health, voting, doing the census, voting for people who share your interests and are going to be willing to work for your interests. So hopefully those things will stick. Absolutely. absolutely. In taking care of yourself. Are you still seeing patients? Someone's asking um, how are you? Yeah, I am. I, have, I see things. patients in the office, but I'm also doing a lot of telemedicine, which is like this, but um, with medicine. Nice. Excellent. So thank you, guys. Thank you so thank you. much. Before you go, there was
1: one last thing someone had uh, I have someone in my circle who keeps talking about about what? 5 the 5G tower and I refuse to listen to what he's saying. He is someone who is completely dismissing the seriousness of COVID-19. Well, yeah, don't listen to him. But um somebody was talking about the air in the ventilators killing people. Like have you heard anything about there being too much pressure? In, from the ventilator on um, already damaged lungs that are causing death.
4: And I. No, um, I haven't heard that as a widespread prog- problem. I don't know if somebody knows of a, an isolated situation, which again, I can't comment on, but I haven't heard that as a widespread promise. problem. But I can tell you that if a person has the um, inflammatory lung problem the virus that I mentioned, it's very difficult to treat. And, and that's separate from COVID. Historically, it's very difficult to treat. But people are surviving, and hopefully that more will. People are making it off the vent.
1: Okay, one more person slipped in and pressed Press. one. So we're going to let this one last question. Um, 7571 um, seven five are, seven are, one, are the last four digits the of the number. Turn down the, Turn radio, down the radio volume or whatever I you're know. listening to us on. Please. 7571, seven what's five your name? calling from hello hello what's your name and where you calling from hello hello okay i'm just hearing myself i tried seven (laughs) five seven one with that doctor oh wait hold on there's another comment let's just see oh very impressive they're all impressed with you that now look Get an appointment. I look.
2: <laughs>
1: oh, I can't yes you
3: can do telemedicine long distance. It's over oh, the <laughs> computer. So yes, Cynthia, uh sit she can. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, everybody's trying to take my doctor away. Okay, time for you to go, doctor. <laughs> Every everybody wants you to be my your doctor now. No, this is my doctor. It's my doctor. <laughs> nah, I can share her though because I want I want you all to be healthy. And um, please tell, tell everyone where the uh, your website so that people can look you up. And if they are in the general area, maybe they might want to try to um, have a visit with you.
4: Okay. It's awllc18.com, and that stands for Advancing Wellness, LLC, always to advance wellness amongst um, my patients.
1: This is your this is your private practice, right? Teresa asked me that earlier yes. and and I yes. was like, I don't know, I never see another doctor there. It's just me and her. I don't see anybody else. It's like a Shaka Khan <laughs> concert. You only see Shaka Khan. You don't look around if there's other artists. But What is I'm there for you, Doc. <laughs> oh Lord, here's another one last question. Gee, we'll see how they slip in there? Ah, What do you say to a millennial? You say nothing to millennials. No, what do you say? I'm just teasing. What do you say to a millennial who has all the symptoms but refuses to get tested because they are preaching that they can't get COVID-19? They say everyone is paranoid and won't wear a mask.
3: I think Lois answered that question right underneath the Yeah. To go enjoy living somewhere else.
1: (laughs) (laughs) With your mask, right? (laughs) Right, right. Repeat your your website one more time,
4: Doc. dot 18.com. Thank you so much. We really appreciate having you here.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Good night. You're welcome. This was fabulous. This was absolutely yeah. fabulous. And I want to thank everybody, everybody for listening, for joining in and um you know, everybody just please stay home, take care of yourselves and um
3: and for those of you who don't know, um as of April 1st, you may want to check um your benefit package for those of you who are still working because there is an extension for sick leave. If you've been affected or caring for someone with COVID, please check that out um, because a lot of what I've understood is a lot of employers are not sharing that with their staff. So if you are caring for someone or you are recovering or in or caught COVID, please know that you have extended sick time. Then they just did that on April 1st. And keep checking your benefit packages, and ch- check with your local state ordinances, because there's always new information coming in with trying to make sure wellness... It's paid sick time. So it's not like you out and you don't get paid. It's paid sick time. Just wanted to add that.
1: Thank you, Rez. That was great.
3: That was great.
1: Great, great. So paid sick time, everybody. Oh, gee. Everybody, Um, what else did I want? Oh, we wanted to tell you. Make sure that you check us out this coming Saturday. Yeah. Rez, you want to tell them who's coming on Saturday?
3: Uh, all y'all that, you know, you like sexy little heartthrobs. Um, and actor Leon will be joining us this Saturday. We're going to get all up and through his business real yes, fast. Yes, yes.
1: You know, his, his publicist sent a couple of pictures and um, – can I just tell you the man was smoldering? I'm like, how in the hell? That's my one question for him. So if y'all like the five hearts and what's the other one? What's that? They're waiting to exhale. You know, Leon, man, I, my question is, how do you turn on the smolder? Because I, since I'm in
3: the house, I want to smolder. I want All right, to- well, we're going to ask him. I'm not interested in his kind of smoldering, but we're going to ask him anyway. For well, I'm,
1: I want to learn how to do
3: it. I want to man. learn how to smolder.
1: You want to learn how to smolder? Yeah. Okay. I want, but I want I to want smolder like Leon. He does it, like, just because, like, smolder. You know, I want to smolder.
3: I <laughs> would well, to practice
1: it. <laughs> oh, the man is a, the king of smoldering. Anyway, everybody, that's uh, Leon on Brunch in the Basement with Javon and Therese. Make sure you subscribe, follow us, and um, you, too, may learn. Have a good a good night, everybody. See you Saturday. Thank you.
2: God has (laughs) smiled on me. He has set me free. Oh. Smile out on me. He's been good to me. No. All my joy, he fills me with his love. Every, every, everything that I ever, ever needed. See the Lord. I wasn't feeling you. I said, Father, are you there? I'm feeling real scared, so I got down on my knees as I began to pray, hoping that the Lord heard what I had to say. I said, God, 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 I started begging. I said, God, 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 pleaded, and I got on my knees. God, 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 Christ said, I never left your side I've been right here all alone Till you. you can dry your eyes You're Seeking me like I knew you would Praising me like you know you could That's when I realized That he's so good My God is good He's been good to me oh. Oh, God is so good, so God is so good, God, oh, God. is so good, God is so good, God is God so for God is so good, God is so good, so good, God is so Thank you, Father, He's been, He's been, he's He's been so good, He's been so good, He's been good to me
1: Good night, everybody. Therese, it looks like you ain't ready to go. You want to play music or something? Is that what it is? You want to give them, like, 20 minutes of music? Is that what you want to do, or is it Am that? i not
3: ever going to say no to music. I'm ever going to say no to music. I think
1: for the people that's still kind of hanging out, we should give them, like, just a couple of little songs. You think?
3: Yeah, why
1: not? Now, the thing is, though, it's got to be particular songs because we are actually broadcasting in a particular way. Okay.
2: Because
1: I wanted to try something new tonight just to see, you know, how deep in it we are. Okay. And we can discuss all of that. But. Hey, Nene. Yeah, shout out all your peeps, Rez. You got a lot of people on this, you know, who who kind of watched this uh, broadcast. Please shout out your people while I look for something, you know, to play.
2: Okay, okay.
3: Pops says some Shaka, You know, shocker's always in the building. Shout out to Debbie and Shinequa Turner, of course. I'm going to start. Um, hey to Keith Anthony Fluitt. He says this song is just what his so needed, Javon, so good looking. Shout out to Cat Cadillac. I see you on. And and Lulu, I see you there too. Pop of course and Laverne and Sonia. so many folk that just Monique and, and, and um P Boogie, so many, so many people joined in tonight to talk to the doctor, which I'm absolutely proud of because we, you know, um it's you know, we, we just try to we're at the pulse of the people a lot of times and with this information that we got tonight was just, you know, helpful because so many people are really, if not grieving, they're suffering and, you know, anxious and just, you know, I can say one thing that's helped me a lot is in this time is to take my moments in in tranquility, like solitude, mm. get it up and just kind of practice, Stillness, and it's not a big regime. It's not a whole. It's just sitting still and quiet, and just just allowing yourself to relax in that moment, or going into a very quiet space and all right, do some prayer, you know, talking, just talking, talking it out, you know. So, and whatever the God is of your understanding, you know, just just commune and and really center yourself and pray for people that are um, not doing well, and you know. That sort of thing that really keeps you lifted. And then, then I sprinkle that with music and anything that brings me joy. Because it's important to know what brings you joy at a time like this and do it, you know. So many devices right now. I got, what, FaceTime and house party and Zoom and all kinds of things. Because we've realized now more than ever that we kind of need social interaction. You know, you need to see somebody's face. When somebody pops up on the Zoom screen I haven't seen in a minute, and they're
2: like, hey, Terrence, I'm like,
3: oh, man, you know. We can really ask. There's no more rhetorical questions. You can really ask how somebody's doing and then wait to hear the answer. It's You know, people are telling you how they're doing, you know. No more rhetorical questions, you know. But uh, that's just me. And everybody who's listening, please share... Share this on your Facebook pages. Share it with someone, you know, as we move and progress, because the YouTube streaming is just something we started doing. But, you know, we're across all platforms, and we're also broadcasting internationally, so we have a, a large audience there as well. So please share it, you know, um, call in, support, do what you can, because it's necessary that we all have a voice and, and something that we can bring to people at this time.
1: That. And Therese is purdy.
2: <laughs>
3: oh, man. And, you know, oh, what, another piece is that you can get on, you know, like, this is a keep it real kind of show. And there have been mornings, like, normally we broadcast on Saturdays um, uh, from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time every Saturday. So if you're up and around on a Saturday, you know, just tune us in, check us out, see what we got going on.